can you put a club across your shoulders, make a backswing and get that butt of the club 90 degrees turn, 90 degrees relative to the target line? If the answer is yes, then that's good. You don't have to make a lot of adjustments at setup or in swing. If the answer is no, and you can only get 70 degrees, then maybe you start looking at doing some things to help increase that turn. The Senior Golfer Advisor, dedicated to helping you, the senior golfer, drive it longer, play better, get healthier, and enjoy the game. I'm your host, Dean Davison. Let's get started. As you all know, those of you who listen to the show, each episode is 100% dedicated to your needs as the senior golfer, and today is going to be no exception. We've got an outstanding guest that uh, does some work with senior golfers, but more importantly, he has an approach that I think you'll find easy to understand, easy to start to implement, but you're going to have to practice it. We're also going to do a couple of things today on the podcast. One is I'm going to do a listener spotlight. That'll come at the end of the show. I'm going to Pick up one particular listener and talk about the things that that individual is working on. I think you'll all benefit from that and perhaps see yourself in that same spotlight. We'll also have a special offer that'll come at the end of the show. We'll talk more about that in detail. But today, our guest is Eric Cagorno. Uh, I first found out about Eric when I was searching YouTube early on when I was looking for guests. And I came across a YouTube video that Eric did specifically for the senior golfer swing. And uh, a couple things jumped out at me. First of all, Eric is a tremendous communicator and teacher. He really takes pride in teaching and he knows the golf game inside and out. And he also showed insight about what can help the senior golfer in their swing. And it wasn't just a tip-based approach. It was actually a model approach for a senior golfer to do in their full swing. And what I found particularly intriguing about it, boy, I've seen <laughs> thousands of videos and have, have literally through my lifetime uh, seen hundreds of golf coaches work. And Eric was saying some things that I'd never heard before. And I found it very intriguing because those were things that could help senior golfers. It wasn't just a, a cookie cutter approach for a senior golfer. This was something he'd thought about and put some effort into how senior golfers can learn it. Eric, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Thanks for the, the intro there, and thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the chat today. Outstanding. And Eric, just for the viewers real quick, where are you located? So we're in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. For those not very familiar with uh, Pennsylvania, that would be roughly an hour outside of Philadelphia. And it, the weather's getting uh, probably a little chilly, I would imagine. Yeah, we're, we're just hitting that point of the year, man, where things are starting to cool off a little bit. Definitely jackets, some winter hats going on now, which... I don't love, but that's, uh, yeah, that's where we're at now. So for us senior golfers, we're thinking two things. One is snowbirding down to Arizona, Florida, you name it. <laughs> uh, or we're just hunkering down and, uh, uh, you know, just putting the golf clubs away for at least uh, the next few months. So I thought today would be a really good time to start to talk about some things that might involve some swing changes, relatively simple swing changes, but things that they can start working on. So when spring comes, they're fired up and ready to go. So when a senior golfer comes to you, what are they struggling with? What are they looking for? What's the problem they're trying to solve? I think there's a couple of main things that I would hear a lot. Uh, one being in particular for the senior golfer, a lack of distance. Oh, yeah. Right. And so probably the biggest thing that I hear uh, with the senior golfer that comes in is the story that I'm sure you've heard, right, which is I used to hit it this far, <laughs> right? I used to hit my driver X. Yeah. <laughs> 
used to hit my nine iron, you know, let's say, Hey, I used to hit my driver 260. Now I only hit a 200. I really want to get that distance back. Right. That's a very common, I would say it's probably the most common thing. And then of course you have the normal things in terms of, Hey, I'd like to hit the ball more solid, you know, would be, would be another big one, but definitely distance being the most common factor. All right. I think you're getting right to the heart of it. Uh, certainly for the male senior golfer, that's got to be it. Anything different you hear from the, the women that come in and, uh, and want to work with you? I think the motivations are typically the same, Dean, in terms of solidness of contact and overall distance. I think the underlying motivation for a, a senior woman golfer relative to playing with her friends or maybe playing with her husband compared to the male golfer, I think you know the, the male golfer always has the macho man um, <laughs> approach. I think usually the the senior female golfers, usually their motivation is more around fitting in, yeah. not sticking out, making sure they play fast enough, those sort of things. But I'd say the solidness of contact and the distance still being the root of the things there. Great. Well, as we're talking today, let's keep both the uh, the women golfers and the men golfers in mind. Maybe if there's any distinctions there, we can call that out. Got it. All right. So that's what they're struggling with. So so what do you do to determine what might be the root of the cause of the problem that's going to help them get more distance or hit it more solidly? I think the best approach is, regardless of golfer, understanding the general factors that are related to whatever their issues are. Meaning, uh, it, let's say a golfer wants to hit the ball far, that we we'll use that example. There's a couple fundamental things that are going to be relative to uh, or sort of determine how far you hit the ball. Some of those things being your club head speed, right? More speed, more distance, less speed, less distance. Yep. Angle of attack is a big one with the driver specifically. So, a golfer who hits down with a downward approach. Um, club head traveling downward towards the ball would hit the ball shorter, basically one-to-one -one than a golfer who's able to have that club head working up through impact. Mm -hmm. um, that would be another factor. And then you're looking at things like, you know, some of the minutia of hitting the ball in the center of the club face, the loft, the spin, et cetera. So I want to make sure the golfer is aware of these things. Listen, you want to hit the ball farther? Excellent. Let's do it. We need to change one of these variables. Are we going to focus on club head speed, angle of attack, center contact, whatever? And then once you get beyond the general things that need to be discussed, let's say you focus on club head speed. Hey, I need to improve my speed. Say, Dean, you swing 80 miles an hour. Here's about how far you're going to be able to hit it at that speed. Based on how far you want to be able to hit it, we need to get to 90 miles an hour, let's say. Okay, great. How do I go from 80 to 90 miles an hour? That's where you get a little bit more personal with that individual player. Now, obviously, as with senior golfers in particular, you're looking at things like, you know, do they turn enough? You know, a rotational ability as you get older gets more difficult. So things like that with with a golfer, I'm looking at that person and saying, hey, how can you get from 80 to 90? And and senior golfer one versus senior golfer two might attack that a little bit different depending upon their current situation. Excellent. Well, I, I like the fact that uh, right off the bat, you're trying to understand what's unique about them, what's unique about their need, their problem, and also what's unique about their ability and body uh, capability to perform that. So let's just keep going with this on the on the hitting it further. And I guess we're primarily talking about the driver, right? Or, or are we talking about all clubs here? Probably primarily driver. Okay. So let, let's let's zero in on that first. You've determined that their club head speed is 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 not going to get them anywhere the kind of distance that they used to hit when they were when they were younger. So where do you start? Do you do you do a little bit of a body test? Do you just start working on some things that you know are going to help uh, with more speed? How does that work? So I would say that the process typically works like we would funnel it down into one of those those two decisions, saying, "Hey, if you want to hit the ball farther, either we need to improve your speed or improve your angle of attack." Mm -hmm. I'll preface that with. 
I will like changing the angle of attack is the easier of the two routes to take. Okay. It requires changing club head speed usually requires work. Changing angle of attack requires adjustments. Okay. So that angle of attack change could be something as simple as ball position more forward. That could be more tilt at address. That could be some little tiny adjustments in swing. Club head speed is usually like, you need to turn a lot more, right? You need to shift a lot more. You need to swing way longer. Things that are more exaggerated, certainly doable, but more exaggerated. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would always try and change the angle attack first. That's the easier of the two. And to, to scale that, Dean, let's say you swing the club 80 miles an hour. And you normally, if, you, if the listener can imagine the club head traveling very far down into the ball, you know, on the track name we have, that might report something like a five degree downward angle of attack. Five degrees doesn't matter, just it's a lot down. Yeah. Let's say you're able to change that from a lot down to a lot up. Let's say five degrees up. You were five down, you got to five up, you didn't change your club head speed at all. That could be like 20 yards. Awesome. Like that one, yeah, same club head speed, not a lot of effort. 20 yards. Now to get that same 20 yards in terms of increasing club head speed, you'd have to do a bunch more work. When you want to change club head speed, you've got two options to take. You can do it from changing swing mechanics at the option A, uh, turn more, shift more, etc. Or you can do it through learning how to swing an object faster, which could include things like you training in the gym, doing mm -hmm. super speed things, you know, mm -hmm. making your body able to swing faster. That, those are the typical routes you take. Well, okay. So let's, let's uh, go into this a little bit further because a lot of seniors that I know, you think you make the assumption, Hey, they got more time. They're retired. Some of them, uh, they got more time. They got perhaps a little more uh, disposable income they can use. And you'd think they'd want to take a little longer route to get better. But I've found just the opposite. They, what they really want to do is they want to play golf better tomorrow and they want to play golf uh, without going through a lot of changes because, eh, you know, change can be difficult as, as we get older sometimes. And they certainly don't want to impact uh, their ability to win that uh, $2 Nassau that they play for bragging rights at the end of the round. So they're looking for something that's quicker fix. So let's, let's talk about that first, but I definitely want to go back to the other one that's more sustainable. Sure. So uh, ball position, tilt, and uh, swinging upward. What sort of uh, challenges do you run into for a senior to be able to do that from a physical or let's say body restriction standpoint? I think the setup pieces are um, pretty easy to accomplish, uh, meaning the ball position being more forward and having tilt. So like as a scale, if someone stood straight up and down, they put their arms to their side mm -hmm. and they made their right shoulder go lower, their fingers of their right hand should get just below their right kneecap. Okay. That would be like a good usable little test to do. Fingers of your right hand, just blow your right kneecap. I'm standing here doing that right now. Okay. So that, that, now if that for you feels like a lot of tilt, right? If that's like, whoa, that feels like a lot of tilt. You probably don't have very much tilt and that could be costing you distance in terms of angle of attack. Yeah. So those sort of things, I don't see a lot of physical issues with doing other than the, the biggest issue with golf, senior, young, somewhere in the middle is the willingness to do something new because it feels weird. Yeah. Right. Like that's the overriding thing that's difficult that makes golf hard. I think new and weird are the same thing <laughs> for a lot it, of people. It, it, exactly. And there's, there's no solution for that. Like yeah. it must feel weird and different. Yeah. That's why I preach feedback so much, which we'll get to later. Yeah. 
But to your question, no, I don't think there's physical limitation of that. I think where the things start to come in where with a senior golfer in particular is there's a loose, you know, there's a correlation during your backswing between how much you're able to turn your body, both your hips and your shoulders, and how deep or behind you or around you, you can get your hands right. and the butt of the club. And then there's also a correlation between how deep and behind you, you can get the club and how much from the inside you can swing. Okay. And then there's also a correlation between how much from the inside you can swing and your angle of attack, meaning more body turn, deeper arms and hands at the top, swing more from the inside, hit more up, hit it farther. On the contrary, don't turn enough during your backswing, don't get depth, you swing over the top more, you hit down more, you lose distance. Get more so vertical. that's where you yeah. start to see more vertical. That's where you start to see some limitations of a golfer who'd say, hey, man, I just can't turn enough. And Dean, 90% of the time when someone tells me they can't physically turn enough, that's they, they could turn more. They just don't understand how to, you know, like flaring of the feet, changing the knee flex, et cetera. There's maybe one out of 50, maybe, maybe one out of a hundred golfers I've met that I physically couldn't get them to turn more. Like there's a lot of little hacks, little ways around doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to get into that too. So it, in terms of just the quick adjustments, uh, tilt, swing up, ball position, fairly easy from a setup standpoint to do, uh, getting that good upward angle of attack swing where you're starting to swing up on it rather than down on it. That might require some further adjustments in your body positions and some of the things you're doing with more of a rounded swing, but we'll get to that oh, yeah. in a second. But for the most part, those simple, those simple changes no problem. One of the things I've seen, and, and personally I've experienced when I try to put too much tilt into it. So for example, I'm my setup position might be a moderate, just a, maybe a few degrees tilt. But then what's happening, because I'm thinking swinging up, I start to really side bend probably more than I should. And now I'm really swinging up. And I can, I can, I definitely see the, the difference in terms of ball flight uh, b- being uh, higher and further, but man, what I also experience is sort of a crunching feeling in that lower right back. Mm. And then that could be physical. It could be over-exaggeration of the tilt during the swing, or it could be something else that maybe you've seen seniors that, that you can share that could be a benefit to the audience out there. Yeah. I think, I think first thing is like anything can be overdone, right? So like Ball that's position me. forward. Let's see, right? <laughs> so while we're saying, listen, ball position forward and tilt, could you get the ball too far forward? Absolutely. You could tilt too much, right? Like you can swing too far under and inside out. Now, those are usually better problems. That's like having a big tax bill. That's a problem. It's a good yeah. problem, but it's a problem. Yeah. So the, the whole key with this, Dean, and, and we talked about this a little bit in our senior master class and all the YouTube videos we do in the coaching, is you have to have checkpoints. You have to have checkpoints. It's not as simple as saying one, two, three, and forever, because our feels are different than our reels. That's why when you record your swing, it never looks like what you feel like. And so you have to utilize that and you have to know, hey, where should my ball position be? Specifically, not just forward, specifically, it should be, okay, in line with my left armpit. Okay, good. How much tilt should I have? Your your fingers should be just below your kneecap, not more, not less, right? And throughout the swing, because you can overdo and underdo things. The, the the gold of it is having specific checkpoints in which you correlate your feels to and not the other way around. I think that that's an important point. Well, that's a, that's a golden tip for sure. So a, a, a willingness to experiment just a little bit with that sounds like it's important. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and, and feel a little weird and uncomfortable and don't judge yourself on the immediate results. Yeah. Like you would never say, Hey, listen, I'm a, I'm going to start investing in the stock market and my week one results are going to dictate what I do moving forward. It's like, this is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to go. I don't do a diet plan. And yeah. if I haven't lost my 30 pounds in a week, I'm done with it. Yeah. If, if you're doing the things, there's a reason why you've decided to do them. You need to take it upon yourself to learn how to do them. The, the things are correct. Ball position forward, tilt, hit up. Those are correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to figure out exactly how to be able to do them. Well, those sound like things somebody could go start experimenting with tomorrow. Let's talk about uh, something that's going to be a more long lasting, perhaps build more club head speed and uh, something that people can work on as we head into the the late fall and into the winter. Not going to be playing potentially a lot of golf, but something you can start to work on now so that you can be ready come spring to start really killing your buddies in those in those Nassau bets. So let's let's talk about that. Uh, You were. You were talking a little bit about uh, depthness of swing and that sort of thing in rotation. Let's get into that a little deeper. Yeah. So, so in terms of pure swing mechanics, right? Like what I would do, I mean, the, the, the main thing to do is you, you should work with a coach. Like that's, that's ideal number one. So if we, let's, let's have that be a thing, right? You should, you should work with someone who helps you point you in the right directions. I just left a tax meeting with an accountant so that they could push me in the right direction of what to do, right? I'm not going to guess on these things. So that, that would be ideal. Beyond that phase, you identify what are the one, two, or three maximum, maximum biggest things that I can do to be able to improve my swing. And those same one, two, or three things are your priorities until you get them. There's not a new tip next week. It's not a new thing the week after. It's one or two or three things all the time. Now, for the senior golfer to increase distance, what those things would include outside of the ball position being for the tilt we mentioned would be really testing and seeing um, the backswing turn. So mm-hmm. um, during the backswing as a stock model, you know, you, you would hear things like turn your hips 45 degrees and turn your shoulders 90. And that's cliche because it's true. Like that would be a good mark to do. Can you put a club across your shoulders? make a backswing and get that butt of the club 90 degrees turn, 90 degrees relative to the target line. If the answer is yes, then that's good. You don't have to make a lot of adjustments at setup or in swing. If the answer is no, and you can only get 70 degrees, then maybe you start looking at doing some things to help um, increase that turn. You want me to go over what some of those things are? Yeah. The key here is you're not trying to turn your hips against your, uh, your, your shoulders against your hips. Okay. You're not trying to do this X factor thing where like how far can you turn your shoulders and hips? You want to turn your whole body. So let your belt buckle, right? Let your belt buckle turn away from you, sort of away from the target. Let your left heel come off the ground. If it does, that's fine. Your left knee can kick in some that's preferable. All the great golfers did that before they were taught out of it. Belt buckle can go behind you. And let yourself do kind of whatever you need to do to get a full 90 degree shoulder turn. Yeah. Good. Good distinction. I'm glad we went into that a bit. So everybody can just do that at home in a mirror and see if they see what their ability to rotate is. Okay. So now we're at that stage where we can't turn 90 degrees. We're at 60, 70. What happens next? So 90% of the people who can only get to 60 and 70 haven't, haven't done what we just said. They haven't actually lifted their left heel. They mm-hmm. haven't let their left knee go in into the belt buckle. And that's an important distinction, Dean, because literally that's real. Like they haven't actually done what we just said. You you need to allow your left, you gotta you gotta allow your lower body to turn enough to turn your upper body. Now, the 10% of people who have actually done that and still can't turn enough, which I would be skeptical 
I would want to see that because I just got done saying probably one out of a hundred that's true for, mm-hmm. then they would make some adjustments, which would include potentially closing their stance line. So kind of pulling their right foot back, mm-hmm. right. Would, would be one potential option that allows you to turn your hips more. So you can turn your shoulders more. You can play around with flaring your right foot. So imagine your right foot kind of was like a duck foot and it kind of ducked out 15, 20 degrees to the right. That would potentially be another option. So that's trail foot for a right-handed golfer opposite for a left-handed golfer. Correct. Yeah. 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 So they can start playing around with that a little bit. And in a sense, they're almost preloading their rotation through their setup. 100%. Yeah. You, you want to stack as many things in your favor at setup and during the backswing and get turned as much as you can. If, mm-hmm. if, if you're, if your new problem was you got too much rotation and too deep, I mean, you're a 0.01 percenter. Like those would be great problems to have. Well, I'm glad you said that, that most people, if they just do the simple things that have been done by great golfers in the past, such as allowing that lead heel to lift a little bit, have that knee kick in a little bit towards the center, allow uh, their whole body to turn, not just their upper body. That I think is, is freedom for any senior Mm. golfer to know that it's okay. Unfortunately, that's not really how it's being taught by many golf instructors today. And it's certainly not what all the pundits and all the analysts that you see on the golf tournaments are saying you should do. Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, sure. Sam Sneed. I mean, you yeah. go on and on while, yeah. while they were PGA tour pros, Yep, all, all did that. And then now the current ones don't do it as much only because they were taught out of it. Yeah, exactly. Right. A senior golfer is not going to swing and move their body like Dustin Johnson. Right. It's like, no that's like, that's like trying to learn how to dunk like LeBron James or pitch like Clayton Kershaw. Right. Like these not are, yeah, I mean, we don't realize watching Dustin Johnson. That's literally what that is. Like he is, he is a one in seven billion. Like he is th- those sort of golfers out there, the elite of elite of elite and our bodies aren't going to move the same. So, so we, let's not try to, and let's allow our lower body to turn. Let's do the things that are make it advantageous to hit the ball farther and better. What trips up seniors the most as they start to work on some of the things that are more long lasting, getting that better turn, what gets in the way? What are some of the obstacles you see? Yeah, it goes back to just what we talked about before, which is, you know, maybe somewhat boring and, and simple, but the reality is people run into issues with changing their swing because of those same baseline fundamentals, which are feeling weird enough to do something because it's different mm-hmm. and being willing to exaggerate enough. And then the, the second part is if we fundamentally agree that when you record your swing, it doesn't look like what it feels like. Then when you go to hit balls, if you try a tip, let's say, uh, turn more, John, and get your hands deeper, and they do that and they hit that first or second ball poorly, they assume that that thing was incorrect. Mm-hmm. When in fact, they have no idea if they actually did it correctly or not. Yeah, They're going based on their feel, not their real. So it's imperative that you have enough feet. If, if you're going to go through the process. Now, sometimes, Dean... I can tell someone, hey, turn more, swing deeper, and right away they hit it much better. Like that happens often, right? Sometimes it's just, it it is that simple. But if it's not, you can't assume that. You have to be able to actually check it. I'd say that's the biggest thing people run into that makes it harder. Yeah, I would agree. Especially if they don't have the benefit of the coach being right there with them for that observation and feedback. Um, Even though they're recording it, they they still may not... Uh, may not trust what they're seeing even in the recording. Exactly. And people want, you know, instant gratification. So if you don't see results immediately, you start to panic. 
and then you say, wait yeah. a minute, uh, this is gonna, this may be going to be too hard. I'll just go buy a new driver. That's the easiest thing to do. so let's talk about contact because uh making a big turn is obviously going to help in terms of creating more more width and ultimately more speed uh if you're doing it right but what about contact how how do we get to the point where they're making better contact as they're working on speed yeah so the biggest determining factor of hitting the ball solid in contact without fail for every golfer who's ever golfed in the history of golf is where their club face is. Mm-hmm. And that's another not sexy, but true answer. And when I say where their club face is, I mean, is it open square or closed relative to the arc they're swinging on? Let's say, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, what happens is most golfers club face is too open, right? That's, that's the air. There's some golfers who are too closed, but most of them are too open at some point at setup during the backswing or downswing. And then there's literally 2,597 million errors that can come up after that to fix it. That's all? I thought there were a lot That's more. it. I mean, there's only a couple of them. There's only a couple. <laughs> and, and then what you see, you see a flip. You see a hang back on the right foot. You see a chicken wing. You see an over the top. And then the golfer sees that and they try and fix that. They think that's their root problem. The problem is that's not their root problem. They did that as a fix subconsciously to fix that open club face. I mean, I'm not, I'm not over-exaggerating when I say 75 to 80% of all swing errors come from a club face that's in a bad position. And that could be grip, wrist conditions, form, rotation, et cetera. So meaning like the answer to what do you do to have good contact if 80% of things happen because of face is you have to make sure the face is good first. So you're talking face at impact, right? Good contact, face at impact. Face throughout the swing, really. Face throughout the swing, really. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I mean, let's face it. Uh, You know this. You have a lot of YouTubes out there. If you put anything that's got the word slice in it, I'll bet you get a disproportionate amount of, of views on it. (laughs) <laughs> because yeah, that that and maybe distance; those two things. Yeah, and because if 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 I walk up and down the range and I look at ten senior golfers and I watch all those senior golfers hit the ball, at least seven out of ten miss to the right if they're right-handed golfer. At least that's conservative. That's a that's a ton. So let's let's talk about some things that can be done simply, and maybe some things that take more work to get better club face control essentially throughout the swing it's set up all the way through it yeah so you ready for some more sexy stuff here dean i know the audience are, are baited <laughs> breath here <laughs> so <laughs> keep it simple so, keep it simple yeah keep it simple i got simple coming it it comes back to the same thing right dean if you said hey, hey eric i want to lose weight what do i need to do two things it's it's it's, it's food it's nutrition and, and working out right like that, that's it and then yeah. there's just minutia within that so so the club face part is grip first and foremost right? Have, having a grip on there that's neutral to strong, mm-hmm. which I would define as you look down or look in the mirror as the V's created on both your hands between the thumb and the index finger mm-hmm. should be at your trail collarbone at minimum. So mm-hmm. at your collarbone or towards the right shoulder would be, would be neutral to strong. Okay. That'd be part one. That'd be like level checkpoint one. Checkpoint two would be during your takeaway when the club first gets parallel to the ground and you look at the leading edge of the club, um, probably a lot of senior golfers were taught growing up to get to toe up, right? Yes. It was like toe up, toe up. Yeah, I was one. And in the rea- yeah, me too. And the reality is, toe up is wildly open relative to the arc you swing on. 
how you would prove that is if you had a club and you hood it, put it kind of down on the ground, if you had like a hula hoop or a little circle, you put the club on and you, you take that club and you ride up that hula hoop or that PVC pipe and that rail and you get the club to toe up and you bring that club back down the impact without rotating it. It's literally like 45 degrees open relative to the arc you're on. So that's a problem. Your club face, the leading edge at first parallel should be tilted down, angled downward, um, no less than 20 degrees, let's say. It shouldn't be toe up. It should be tilted down some amount. That'd be checkpoint two. Now you have a strong grip and you've got the face tilted down. Now that's 80% of it, Dean. If you can get those two pieces in place, your odds of success are extremely high. If you want further from there, then by the top of the backswing, there's really two checkpoints. Number one is where your left wrist and right wrist would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, as a right-handed golfer, so lead and trail. Your lead wrist or your left hand as a right-handed golfer should be flat or bowed, you know, flexed, whatever, some amount to mm-hmm. have a club face more square. Mm-hmm. And then, and importantly, a lot of golfers don't think about is your trail hand or your right hand. Right. As a right-handed golfer, your right hand should be bent back or yeah. in extension a lot. Almost like you're holding a pizza. A pizza plan. Yeah, exactly. Like the, that angle like between that. the back of your hand and forearm. Yes, it should be bent back. It's, if you're more towards flat, you are the more open the face is. Now, if you get those three in line, you're in good shape, but you're not in the clear. You could have that really square and then you open it on the way down from losing those wrist angles or you're adding supination of your trail arm. There's forearm angles, etc. So you have to make sure in transition, you get the face more square, which would be those same wrist angles, mm-hmm. kind of your right palm away from the target, you know. Mm-hmm. Th- those would be sort of the the quote unquote simple right checkpoints you would look for. Yeah, so you have to do less rotation of the arms to square it up that way. It seems exactly. You're just naturally through your turn. You're going to square it up if you're holding those those angles. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And, and more importantly, these are examples of things for a golfer specifically who has an open face. Yes, right. So which almost yeah, everybody kind of, does. You know, going exactly. back to that going back to that toe up. One of the things that I was taught is that you take it back at that midpoint, meaning club is parallel to the ground, and uh, it's essentially pointing away from the target, and the toe is is up to the sky, and the and the club face is sort of perpendicular, or certainly straight up from the ground. So, and then when you turn your body back ninety degrees and put the club down, the club is still square. So that was how it was taught to me, and it seemed to make a lot of sense. But that I was having so much trouble squaring it up, and now, now I understand why. It it's it wasn't square to the arc. It was square to exactly. something else that had nothing to do with the swing arc. Key key point. Exactly. Okay, so that that's definitely going to help. What about uh, those that might overcook it a bit? Me being one with that sort of technique, where it's a little more bowed or a little flatter, you're overcooking it. Seems like, and I'll hit a little, you know, I'll hit, I'll hit some pull draws, I, not pull, but I'll hit some drastic hooks. What's going on there? So, yeah, then then you're talking about release pattern, rotation, and swing direction. Mm. And what I mean by that is, like for you, I would I would with you look at someone like Dustin Johnson, just in terms of club face angle, not body motions. And right. Say, yeah. Right. Exactly. So he's super shot, super bowed, yet he hits a fade. Yeah. Right. So, so how does he do that? Well, he rotates really well. He has his handle well forward, right? There's just, there's going to be different release patterns to match it up. Now the, the, the bonus of that is if you can do that, you can be an elite world-class ball striker. If you've got an open face and you play like a flip role, you'd be more like Patrick Reed, which is like, cool. You win the masters, you hit it good. 
um, but not not world class in terms of your ball striking. Not as good as you could potentially be. Yeah. Well, back to seniors, which um, you know we'd like to be world class in our local uh, you know local club tournament <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> at best. But it uh, yeah. but and I think I saw this in one of your videos where you were literally saying that most seniors, in fact, probably all seniors can't really do a good body rotation, something like a Dustin Johnson does to be able to keep that club face from closing too much and kind of swinging that club more on an inside arc. So mm. one of the things I've seen you recommend is the swing direction, swing direction changes. At this point, I stopped the interview with Eric on his approach to the senior golfer model swing. We'll pick this up again in episode 014, where we uh, talk about swing direction and the downswing for better ball contact and the follow through. We resume the interview with Eric asking him about a video instruction series he has for senior golfers that covers the specific principles that he's laid out so far. You have a video series that actually teaches you how to, how to do all of that. I'm talking about the whole process of getting your backswing right, getting your setup right, and getting your follow through right. Yeah. So we have a senior master class is what it's called. Um, we develop these, these video training programs and one of them is a senior master class specifically designed for the senior golfer. Yeah. You know, more or less doing what we're talking about now. All of those are, we have, we have a bunch of different video series designed to fix a certain problem or help a certain player. They're usually 15 to 20 videos, very easy to follow step by step, you know, give you practical checkpoints. The senior master class we've had a lot of success with. You and I had uh, spoke a little bit. We very randomly did a senior best swing for senior golfer YouTube video earlier in this year with no expectations. It was one of our top 10, I think, most viewed videos ever. So we developed a senior master class and we've had a great, great response from it. In fact, one of the companies that we have done with it just launched it on their site this week and have had almost a thousand people who, who bought it. And we've got a lot of really good feedback on uh, on the implementation because because it works. You know, it's, it's you got to work it, but it works. Well, you and I had talked about this. We'll mention it at the end of the show, but we talked about it. We are going to provide for our listeners a special offer to get access to that senior masterclass, which I've had a chance to preview, and it, it's phenomenal. And it will take all of these concepts we've been talking about on radio and make them very real on video with tremendous um, drills and, and other things you can do to be able to not only learn it, but be able to practice it and then take it to the course. So uh, stay tuned, everybody, for that. We'll be talking about it at the end of the show. What do you recommend for those to, those who want to really get involved with your, your teaching approach? Uh, where do they go? Yeah, so I think we'll, you, you mentioned something about the, uh, the, the code for the products. Yeah, we're going to um, do that for sure. We'll do that. So beyond that, and part of what you said before, if YouTube is so confusing, which is true, we then decided we need to do something about that. And so we created kagornogolf.com, mm -hmm. uh, which is our membership site. It's our online community. There's different uh, variations of membership, monthly fees, where basically the, the pro of it, why you would do that is because it gives you the ability to actually send your swings in for me to look at, yeah. to clear up that confusion, help identify priorities, and, and really build a community of golfers that are that are all looking to get better. You get access to a lot of online resources. So that's another thing people can check out. But if, if, you, if people go check out the YouTube videos and that learns and helps too, that, that'd be awesome. Cogornogolf.com. That's C-O-G-O-R-N-O golf.com. That's it. And uh, for those that, uh, I love the fact that they can send in their swing and get a swing review because that really does help expand your reach. 
And then we mentioned the special offer. Uh, you have a series called Golf Swing for Seniors Master Class. It's 16 videos. Each video runs about four to eight minutes. I think maybe one there was one in there at 10 minutes. Covers every facet of the swing, short game, long game, distance, uh, the full swing. But I think what's really cool about it is you have a, a, a series in there which, which is about practice. How do you practice this so that it's meaningful and you have some interesting ideas about practice? Better to practice more frequently than just have one big practice session that you do once a week. Uh, just little tips like that, I think, are going to be really helpful to seniors who, who, who I think all know that you're not going to get any better unless you practice. But the problem is, is how to practice and how to practice so it's going to be purposeful and meaningful. So I really like that part of it too. So special offer for that. The way you're going to get that is go to the SeniorGolferAdvisor.com. What I'll need you to do from there is click on the podcast episode tab. You'll see it right there. You'll see uh, our episode with Eric, and uh, there'll be a brief description. And in red letters, it'll say, read more. Click on read more. That'll take you to the page where the special offer will be. We hope you'll take advantage of that because it includes not only the Golf Swing for Masterclass, but it includes some other series that are also available on that Podia platform. One of them uh, was about the Slice Fix training program we talked about. And then some other things here on rotation and getting distance. All of that's covered in the senior masterclass. So I'd start there first. 50% off on, on anything you see in there is going to be the offer, which is a very, very generous offer. So thank you for that, Eric. Absolutely. My pleasure. This is the Listener Spotlight. We started this back at episode uh, 011. And each week we're going to spotlight a particular listener share some background about themselves, what they're working on in golf, some unique things that they might be doing that's golf-related. And uh, this way we'll benefit from that information and begin to start a lis listener community, which is what I've always envisioned with this podcast. So our guest today, our listener spotlight guest, is David Hahn. He spells his last name H-O-N. Uh, David actually tried golf back when he was 40 years old, and he hurt his back, and he didn't think golf was was kind of a kind of a ridiculous sport and he didn't pick it up again until the age of 75. Today David is 76, so he's only been playing about a year. He's he's essentially a beginner. Uh he'll be 77 in December of this year. So, congratulations David for for starting this late in life and um, we'll learn here soon that you you're not just a, the average beginner. You're really immersing yourself in everything. So David uh, comes from a background in training technology. Uh, he shoots on average right now. He doesn't have a USGA index, but he shoots on average now about 103. Uh, he was hitting the ball about 200 yards, but he's, he's working on some things uh, to help his back. And he's, he's working with the concepts that uh, Kieran Conwar introduced in our episode 008 on the optimal performance swing for senior golfers. So he's working with that. And regaining his distance, he's finding that it's much easier on his joints and on his back. Uh, he got into golf, and one of the things that he's learned is that uh, he really appreciates the challenge of learning something physically at this stage of his life. And he finds that golf provides the opportunity, he's got a little more time to spend, the opportunity to just practice the game and practice the game in ways that you get better and you can see yourself improved. And he describes that as just purely a joyful process. Now, here's where it really gets interesting for David. Um, he started a website 
for beginners called Golf 75. And uh, you can find it on golf75.com. And when you go in, the first thing you'll see pop up is it says, do not read unless you are starting golf in your 70s. We do check ID. So I don't know if he actually checks ID, but it gives you an insight into his sense of humor. He actually is a blogger and he, he puts together blog episodes fairly frequently. He's got uh, uh, close to 20 of them, maybe more, on all different aspects of golf as he's learning it as a beginner. So if you're, if you're out there as a beginner or someone who's just getting started in golf, uh, or you know someone who wants to get started in golf, I'd highly recommend his website as a, as a place to follow along. He's got some interesting ideas there on how you can get started in golf cheaply. It doesn't have, have, does not have to be expensive at all. And uh, some ways that you can get started without having to go through expensive lessons just to start to learn a little bit. So very practical uh, and very well-written blogs and articles that he puts together. So I'd highly recommend that. Again, I think one of the, the biggest things that, that David appreciates from golf is the fact of being able to get involved in something physical uh, that's new and challenging, keeps you young. And I'll, and I'll read you a quote from one of his blogs, which I think is particularly poignant and gives you, I think, a good representation of the sort of thoughtful wisdom and humor that David brings to, uh, to the idea of starting golf in late in life. So he writes, with golf, you are given a rebirth of human privilege of improving yourself by yourself. Age seems to take away that personal thrill from many of us, but with golf, you have new challenges and time and practice and can give you new abilities, new skills every month. You can get better and for many years, you can get better fast. You have exciting new revelations and new successes as you, as you invest your time and just a little money in golf. The rewards are not outside you. They are inside you. And at age 75, they are priceless. So congratulations, David. Good luck in your journey in golf. And thanks for helping others who may be curious about starting their journey in golf, no matter what the age is. For the rest of you, if you'd like to be part of the listener spotlight, just drop me a note in the Contact Dean page. Uh, give a little background about yourself, and then I can reach out to you, get some more information, and spotlight you on a future episode. So for now, that wraps up our show for this week. Always remember to enjoy the game, but always keep swinging. Thanks for listening. <laughs>